Small Farm Nation Academy includes lessons, resources, mastermind interviews, and a forum for branding, marketing, and growing your farm business. Join today at smallfarmnation.com slash academy. Hey there, it's Tim Young of smallfarmnation.com. In this episode, I'm going to share some key takeaways from my discussion with urban farming guru, Curtis Stone. So each month, I conduct a mastermind interview for members of the Small Farm Nation Academy. There are video calls between me and an expert in matters that relate to growing a profitable farming business, and they tend to be about an hour long, give or take. So in this episode today, I'm going to share some highlights of my discussion with Curtis Stone. Curtis is well known for maximizing farming profits on small urban lots and has helped lots of folks do the same thing. So whether you're interested in urban or rural farming, I think you can get a lot out of this. So let's just dive right in. Well, you don't know what you're feeding yourself. You just buy whatever's on the shelf. One of the things I'm interested in talking to you about is, you know, when we think about farming, when people think about farming, they, they tend to picture you know, these expansive rural landscapes, large equipment. In the old, in the old days, they'd picture silos and things like that. And, and the way you go about farming is so different. If I was trying to explain to my mother, you know, what you did as a farmer, it would just blow her mind. So can you paint us a picture of how your farm at Green City Acres compares to that stereotypical visual? Basically, we've taken, if you imagine the best aspects of really intensive square foot gardening, and scale those up to a commercial level, which would, in our case, is a quarter acre, that's what our farm operates on, hmm. then that, that's what it would be like. We farm on 30 inch wide beds that are 50 feet long. It's a sort of a standardized bed unit that we use on the farm. And we're growing, quick growing crops. That's kind of what we specialize in my book. I refer to those as quick crops, anything that can grow in 60 days or less. Hmm. So it's mostly salad greens and baby root vegetables. And then we have a, a heated nursery where we do microgreens all winter long. You know, we're, we're farming without tractors. We're farming without any heavy machinery. We use um, lightweight hand tools for the most part, just like you would in a garden or a homestead in a way. But we've, we've, we've scaled it to be commercial. So our farm does $100,000 a year in gross revenue. That nets out to be maybe 55%, something like that. Hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's profitable. But we have a very unique market that we sell to that, that we have a demand for the products that we're growing. And that, that's, that's the primary thing there. You know, you can't just do this anywhere. You have to have the right marketplace. Yeah, so the, the basic model is that you can make a significant living on small plots of land. They don't have to be centralized. You can make money on land you don't own by basically growing in-demand crops that are high value. So this doesn't really work if you want to grow potatoes. You can't grow a quarter acre of potatoes and, and make, um, make the kind of money that we make. You have to grow higher value crops. And so those are typically crops that grow quickly. So 60 days or less from seed to harvest. So greens, arugula, spinach, lettuce, stuff like that, radishes, baby turnips, baby carrots, beets, cilantro, parsley, basil. There's all kinds of crops you can grow. I've refined my crop selection less and less over the years. Hmm. Uh, but the basic idea is that you, you grow crops that can be sold in marketplaces close to you. So this is one of the biggest advantages that urban farmers have is that you're in the city you live close to where the markets are. You can get those products to the market easily without any friction. 
and get a retail price for them. That's the basis of it. So we're generally we're talking direct consumer markets like uh, farmers markets, uh, CSA box programs, um, or selling to restaurants. Those are the three that I started with. I've actually recently expanded into different types of markets, but those are the best ones to start with because it's the easiest to cash flow, especially farmers markets. You can just show up with stuff and sell it. And so what I show people in my book is how you can convert a 2000 square foot front or backyard on a suburban home into a, a plot that could generate about $20,000 in revenue a year, even more once you start getting into greenhouses. Hmm. So, so it seems like one requirement then of this business model, uh, I guess, you know, given the name of urban farming is that you need to be in an urban area. I mean, like you, you wouldn't normally do this in a rural area. I mean, I suppose if you're close to a market, but that's going to make you urban anyway, you have to be in an urban area to do this. It sounds like. No, actually. I mean, I have an online course and I would say 90% of my online course members of the 400 people that are in there are rural hmm. or agricultural area. Um, no, you don't have to be urban at all. You, you, the methods of production can work in any type of land. It's not that it's just that I guess when I wrote my book, it was the urban farmer because that's what I was doing. But the, but the methods are not exclusive to urban at all. Yes. Being in an urban area, you have advantages as far as access to market. There's no question about that. And that is probably the biggest advantage to being an urban farmer. You have other disadvantages as well. Like our farm is decentralized. Like we have five locations and that presents logistical challenges for sure. Hmm. Um, it also gives some uh, benefit as far as social outreach and how people see the farms and they engage with what we're doing. No, I don't think as far as production, farming in 30 inch beds, growing high value crops, pursuing direct consumer market streams, those aren't exclusive to urban at all. You know, it seems like when you talk about this, it seems like uh, a reasonably, in the world of farming, it seems like a reasonably low risk and scalable farming model. Because basically, imagine if I lived in suburbia, which is where I once lived. You know, I lived on a house and a golf course. And, I, and, if, and if the HOA would allow it, I could take people's backyards, my neighbor's backyard, turn it into a market garden, do the post-processing on my, on my location, and it's easy to scale that up. Um, you know, it. So it seems like it's a low risk way to get into farming and to scale up. Super low risk. It, well, it was for me. And, and I'm, 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 I'm sort of in the process of scaling this 10x. Hmm. Um, we, uh, yeah, I spent, I, I started on $7,000. I got a walk-in cooler. I got a used BCS rototiller. I got an earthway seeder, a bunch of hand tools, and some basic stuff for post-harvest. Yeah. It, it was really ad hoc, but it, but it worked. And I just kept recapitalizing. You know, so I, I get that you say that this model can work in both an urban area and a rural area. The, um, the requirement being that you have access to a market or the ability to create a market. What I'm wondering, though, since you talk so much about greens and I always hear about arugula and spinach and lettuces and those kind of things. Do you see this working at all? latitudes. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine this working in Miami, for example. But where's the cutoff where this model doesn't work so well? Uh, anywhere in North America, this will work except the Arctic Circle. Hmm. Um, there's everywhere in the continental U.S. This works. I have I have proteges doing this in Southern Florida. I have people in Southern California, uh, Texas. Um, I haven't seen a place that this wouldn't work. You can grow greens in the heat. People think that you can't, but you can. When people tell you that something can't be done then that's more reason to look into it and see if it can be done because then you can, you can capture a market that nobody else is in. And then you're in a, like an uncompetitive space. 
Yeah. Like I have friends that grow greens in like South Carolina and Florida who crush it at restaurants and they get ridiculous prices. That's, that's what this is all about. It's all about finding a niche. And, but I'm, I'm not here to tell everybody that this will work for everybody or that, that um, this is a business model that anybody can do. It's not. There's, but there is no business model that everybody can do. Right. It is, however, extremely accessible and easy to get a business that makes money doing it. And there's so much room in the marketplace. A lot of people will say to me, well, that sounds great, Curtis, but every everybody can't grow salad greens. And my response is, uh, yeah, they can. Yeah. <laughs> because the amount of output that Southern California puts out with greens is astronomical. If you have a city where you see anything from Southern California, if you don't live in California, and you see... Southern California greens on the grocery store shelves, that means there's room in the marketplace. Yeah, of course. Because small growers can compete with those with those prices easily. I've done it, I've documented it for years. And um, that's what it is. It's, it's a bunch of small growers competing with the big growers. It's not about one person trying to compete with the big person. It's just a bunch of small growers carving out a nice lifestyle for themselves and carving out a small part of the market. Starting a farm business is rewarding, but you know what isn't? Learning that profitable farming is only 20% about growing and 80% about marketing. But now there's an easy way to learn how to market your farm. It's the Small Farm Nation Academy, an online membership site with courses on everything related to marketing and growing a farm business. Courses like building your farm brand, website design, list building, and email marketing, public relations, social media marketing, and more. Plus, Academy members get discounts on everything from hatchery chicks and electric fencing to cool bots and gardening supplies. So if you're serious about having a profitable farm business, connect with other farmers today in the Academy at smallfarmnation.com. That's smallfarmnation.com. Join today and get growing. You know, one of the things I was interested in talking about is I had, uh, I figured if it was a blog post or a podcast I'd written about some of the reasons that small farms fail. And then later I came across a, a video that you had done, which I thought was really excellent yes. about five reasons that small farms fail. And they were great reasons, yeah. although they, they overlapped and were a little bit different than mine. I wanted to talk to you about those reasons that you see regarding, you know, why small farms fail. So do you remember what they were, what the first one was? Um, I, think I, I think you said ideology or something. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideology is huge. That, that, was a, that was like probably one of my biggest reasons for burnout. Well, it was one of the biggest things that led me to overwork and do things that were unnecessary that led to burnout. So what do you mean by um, ideology? It's just like, we need to solve all the world's problems. And people get into this to do that. And it's just not a sustainable business model because you're chasing things that you can't really have a significant effect on. I'm not saying that people can't make a difference in the world. They certainly can, hmm. but you need to look at the bottom line first, but ideology is huge. Cause it's just like, everybody's like wants to solve these big problems. And then they approach that in a business. And it's like, that's not a sustainable business model. There's, you got to first look at the bottom line, get your cash flow in order, get your costs in order, have a profit. Then you can say, okay, here's an issue that I'd like to be a part of changing. How could we do this in a realistic way that is sustainable for the business, but also sustainable for our lifestyle? So I think your second reason that you listed that, you know, the reasons that five, uh, five reasons that small farms fail was um, low end market streams. 
So when you talk about low end market streams, are you talking about, for example, crop selection and days to maturity? Or are you talking about go to market strategies like CSA? All, all of it. I'm talking about low end products, low end customers, low end market streams, low end everything. So this is where the ideology part, part um, fits into it on sort of like an, um, a really literal level is that you might have a product or crop that you think people should eat but are they interested in that product and how much effort do you have to put into marketing that product to them to get them to buy it? Hmm. Often people, what people think the market wants is not what the market wants. And all you have to do is some basic market research. It's nothing exclusive to my work. It's the same in most businesses. So to figure out what that is and sell it to them. So your third reason that small farms fail was not investing in critical equipment not investing in the right equipment. I don't know if, uh, if that was a reason. Or yeah. Not. Oh yeah. Oh that, yeah. Huge, huge. Um, yeah. Not, not getting the right stuff out of the gate is kind of like not getting a walk-in cooler or mm-hmm. not putting money into the proper post harvest stations or not getting the right seeding equipment. It's like, I tell people, you know, the critical infrastructure is like the post harvest stuff. You got to have a walk-in cooler. If you're going to be a commercial farm, you got to have some kind of soil working machinery. You might not necessarily need to own that, but you need to have access to it when you start out to at least prepare your farm. Mm. You got to have some seeding equipment. You have to have a seeder. I still know today some urban farmers in big cities that have been operating for a number of years and they still don't have a seeder. They're drawing string lines and sprinkling seed with their fingers. As another reason I thought made a lot of sense was you talked about taking on too much at once. I mean, what do you think about farmers yes. you know, in that regard? A lot of what it is is because a lot of people actually have land. Most of my students have land. Like they're, they're not like urban like me. They have, they have acreage. So they, oh, I own 40 acres. Um, I should just farm most of it. We get more production. I, I can get more production on an acre than most farms will get on 10. Hmm. And that's just because I focus on valuable crops. Crops that grow fast. I, make, I, I, I condense things down to a 30-inch bed. I give the plants just the amount of space that they need to grow. And, and I'm, I'm consolidating things into a, um, a tighter space. It's way less work. You know, I was thinking uh, when I watched your video, I thought your fifth reason, which is coming up next, was the best reason. But I don't even think we need to talk about it now because we've been talking about it. But your fifth reason was not approaching farming as a business. But that's really what we're talking about with all this. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. And that people want the lifestyle, which is great. It's a good lifestyle. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I think your list is excellent. And beyond your list of those five reasons, there's three reasons that I've observed of why small farms either struggle or fail. I'd like to get your take on these. But the first one, um, and this kind of ties into what you said uh, with one of yours, but um, it's a lack of focus or trying to do too much. I, I find that particularly on the livestock side, and I know that's not your side, I want to have some chickens. I want to have some rabbits. I'm going to put some pigs over yeah. here. I'm going to get some beef cows. I'm going to get some goats. And it's a yep. little bit of everything, and it's a lot of nothing. And, you know, if you try to be good at everything, you're not going to be good at anything. That's right. And well, and that, that kind of circles into one, the one that I had there is taking on too much is that, and I, I agree because, but this is what I love about a really starting really small and starting with a very select group of products. Like maybe it's 10 products because if you have less to start with, you can learn the individual nuances of each of those things. And this is what I like about how we farm is that our, our, all the products that really make us money grow really quickly. And I have a chance to plant them about a hundred times a season. You know, a second reason that I, I feel at least that 
you know, some farms either fail or they fail to achieve what they want to achieve is that they try to emulate others success. And it could be Curtis Stone success on the, um, yes. on the urban farming side, or it could be, and it often is Joel Salatin's success on the livestock side without fully understanding what makes those farmers successful and whether or not it can be replicated. And if you take, you know, Joel's example, Polyface, I mean, they're, they're successful because they have scale. They don't just raise five chickens. They raise more than 20,000 chickens. They're very, right. very efficient. They've invested in processes and master processes that make them very efficient. And the third reason that they're successful is they're expert at branding and marketing. I mean, Joel does that by getting out and being outspoken, but building a brand there. So other people yeah. get inspired by reading those books, even your book, they get inspired and I want to go do that. They try to emulate that, but they don't understand what makes those people successful and then they're, they're, therefore they don't replicate it. Well, and they also don't see all the failures either, right? Like they, they just see the finished product. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, Salatin gets a lot. I know, I know Joel and I, and I, I, I hang out with him whenever I do mother of news fairs and Joel here, Joel gets this all the time. It's just like, people think he just showed up. He's been <laughs> grinding for a long time. We only hear about his successes, right? right. It, you know, Joel's got a lot of books, you know, he might have 20 or some odd books out there. Those are books of his successes. If you if, if you had to write books about Joel's failures, there'd probably be a thousand books right, of Joel's right, failures. Right. And and I and I haven't been in this nearly as long as Joel, um, but but it's the same for me. Like I probably have at least ten failures to every success. Hmm. But but I didn't stop and I didn't complain and I just kept doing it. And and the, I think the key. To, I think you're totally dead on with how people compare themselves to others. You shouldn't compare yourself to where others are. You should compare yourself to where you were yesterday. So the third reason I see the final one that I wanted to talk about in terms of why farms fail, and I don't know if this is as applicable in the kind of farming you do or not. This is why I want to hear what you have to say. But I see that they postpone marketing until they have product to sell, and they don't focus yes. on building a strong brand from the beginning. Do you see that also? They just kind of get all these things going and then wait to have all this product and then go for it, whereas like, you should be doing market research and even greasing the wheels of marketing before you even start a farm. Like you should get that conversation out there. I wasn't really uh, good at marketing back then, but I, but I did that. And I was talking to chefs and uh, people that were, would be potential customers while I was building my farm. Cause I spent an entire, I started developing my farm in the late summer of 2009. And then I basically was building infrastructure and researching and creating brands and, and all that kind of stuff all winter. And then when I started in spring, I kind of just hit the ground running, but I already had a lot of stuff out there about me. Like I, I um, was building this farm. And so I was, I was putting social media stuff out there as I was generating interest. I'd put posters, uh, pictures out there. And I, I was doing interviews with like, you know, really just kind of like local, reader magazines and stuff like that. I was just greasing the wheels as early as I could. In a way, that kind of helped me become accountable to myself yeah. because I put out so much stuff that I was like, okay, well, I better do this now because a lot of people are expecting me to. I love that you said that. I really think that's actually one of the reasons to market early because it forces you to I better do what I said I'm going to do because otherwise yeah, skin people, in the game. You're, you skin in the game. People come up with excuses and they let those excuses stop them. Well, I would have done right. this, but I couldn't have. Well, here's the way you do it. Make a commitment and then you do it. Certainly if you're motivated and you're serious and you want to do this, there's nothing wrong with getting it out there. 
Well, listen, you're really uh, passionate, obviously, about learning and teaching others how to get started with urban farming. And you've mentioned your course a couple of times. So where do people find out more about this and what that's about? Okay, so first thing is they, they can go to my website, theurbanfarmer.co. From there, they'll be able to navigate. You can find my YouTube channel. You can find my Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, you'll also find my online course in there, which is profitableurbanfarming.com. You can go to the website directly or you can, you can link to it through my, my main website. But I'd like to extend an offer to your audience. If, those guys, if anybody in there wants to take my course, I'll give you 100 bucks off. That's awesome. uh, just when you go through the checkout, you just go small farm nation put all cat or all one word, small farm nation into the checkout and you'll get a hundred dollars off. And our course has lifetime membership. So this is one time fee and you have a lifetime membership to it and you're, you, you'll have access to our community. And I often put discounts to things like I run a, a company called paper pot co out of California where we sell paper pot transplanter. Like I do things like I put discounts for, for our course members in there from time to time too. So they'll have access to things like that. Well, Curtis, you're doing great stuff. You're inspiring a lot of people. You've articulated a really solid, I think, business plan for people to get into farming at a, at a, at a very low risk way in a scalable way. So I'm just grateful that you were here with us this month and sharing your expertise on the Small Farm Nation Academy. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. It's been a pleasure. Okay, Small Farm Nation, that's it for me in this episode. Remember, you can keep up with me and all my content at smallfarmnation.com. There's a link on the site to my free farm marketing group on Facebook where thousands of farmers discuss issues important to growing their farm and their food business. Of course, I'd love to have you be part of the Small Farm Nation Academy, and you'll find more information about that on my site also at smallfarmnation.com. As always, you can find the show notes from this episode on smallfarmnation.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or elsewhere. Until next time, here's to hoping you and your farm business get growing. Well, you don't know what you're feeding yourself. You just buy whatever's on the shelf. You don't care if it's full of GMO. And what's inside them, nobody knows. Cables to the left of you, right up to the right. Here I am out here farming for you. Yes, I'm out here farming for you. And I just want you to know the truth. My food is real and locally grown. Just a few miles from your home. Cables to the left of you, right up to the right. Here I am out here farming for you. Well, factories falling, not the waste of eating fake food every day. I grow real food, your family needs. Now come along and sing with me. Just want you to know the truth